morning. Good to see you. Um, I'd like to ask you to pray with me. There's, there's an uh, American aid worker in Afghanistan, in Kandahar, that's been kidnapped by a gun, gunman. Her and her driver were kidnapped on the way to work. And so I'd like you to ask, ask you to pray with me right now for protection and freedom for her and her driver. And uh, if you could pray fervently as it comes to mind over the next few days. I, she needs prayer right now. They, they both do. Let's pray. Father, we, <clears throat> we come to you and we honor you. We, we want to glorify you in our worship here. And, and we know that you're the one that's in charge of the universe. So, Father, we, we lift this gal and her driver to you. And we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you protect her life. I pray that you'd grant freedom quickly, God. And those who are working on this, we pray for wisdom. And uh, we just pray for deliverance from your hand. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to just mention that uh, Josh and Erica De La Rosa are here. And the launch team and the core team from OCC, Orange Crest Community Church in Riverside. Would you guys wave your hands, Josh and Erica and the gang? Yeah. We talk about these guys behind their back all the time, so I thought I'd introduce them. Glad you guys are here. We're really grateful for the work you're doing out there, the ministry that, that you're serving in. Um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to dig into Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, a couple of really majorly important verses in the scripture. Um, the last time we got together last week, we looked at things that we need to reject, and then things that we need to replace as you're growing and trying to change. When you come to Christ, if, if, if you turn around from going your own way and begin to follow Christ, what he does is he begins to work in your heart to change you. He lives in you, in the person of his spirit, and he begins to work change in your life. To change, what you have to do is you have to reject the wrong things and then replace those with the right things. And what God does is he lives in you. He gives the power and the resources, but he leaves it up to us to cooperate with him, to make choices and decisions, to uh, do life his way. And as we learn to cooperate with him over time, we begin to replace the wrong things with the right stuff. We looked last week at how we need to replace falsehood with truth, anger with reconciliation, anger that lingers anyway, uh, stealing, cheating, fraud with hard work, wear ourselves out with it, uh, unwholesome talk by saying what's helpful. And then malice in its actions we need to replace with kindness. And so that's, that's last week what we looked at. And this week we're turning the corner and we're gonna, we're gonna look at really a watershed statement in the scripture. There, there are a few of these as you read through the Bible. There are some that give you a gigantic perspective on what life is all about. We heard the guy who's juggling the fruit and likes cooking and all that. And he was talking about how he's trying to, you know, he wants his life to mean something. And this passage that we're looking at is, is one of those watersheds, you know, watershed mountain where water sheds off of it and then it orients you like, these mountains out here, I'm very grateful for them because if I ever get lost and I can find Mount Baldy, 
I know generally how to get back home, you know, where I live. That that really helps me. And even if I can't see them, I know the area well enough that, okay, they're over there, you know. But that that really gives me orientation. And that's that's what this passage that we're looking at, we're looking at two verses today that really give us an orientation. They help us to know what life is all about, what it should be all about for those who follow Christ. And give us some real direction for our everyday life. So this is one of the major statements in the New Testament that tells you how God wants you to live life. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God. We're to imitate him, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, our lives, they're originals. My life's an original. Your life is an original. You you make choices. You decide whether to say and do things. You you look at your options and you choose options. And your life is an original in the sense that it's shaped by the choices that you make. God's given you your life, and he lets you decide how you are going to write the story of your life. We looked at that. Alex actually talked about that a few weeks ago in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says that we're to live our lives worthy of the calling that we've received. We've, we've got this calling uh, as God's children, and we want to live up to the family name. We, we want to honor him. And so we're writing an original story. God's given us this life. He's asking, what are you going to do with it? He's waiting to see what we're going to do with it. But at the same time that our life is an original, there are some things we're to imitate. We're to imitate the Father. So God wants our lives to be an original copy. The way, the way we live out the Christian life is going to be original in the sense that we make choices and decisions, but it's going to be a copy. We're to, we're to imitate the Father. Our motivation to imitate him, you see in verse 1 there of chapter 5, is that we are dearly loved children. Here's another translation of that verse. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. That, that word dear in Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament that it was written in, it implies a real tender affection. And what you see in this verse is that God loves us with a father's love, a daddy's love. Like, like a father who has, you know, a child runs into their arms when they need comfort or reassurance or, you know, they're just hanging on. That there's a real, as God looks at you and I and he watches our lives, we're living our life out uh, before him. And as he looks at our lives, He's not waiting to squash you and I. He's not looking for a reason to spank us or to hurt us. But he loves us. He's rooting for us. He wants us to do well. So as he watches our life and, and as it's lived out before him, he, he wants, like a father wants their children to do well, a good dad. It's the same way God feels about us. So... Because of God's kindness and love and, and his tenderness toward us, we're motivated to imitate him. We've got to get in touch with that. We don't know this. We don't because we're cut off from him by our sin. Every one of us has decided to go our own way. 
uh, trying to be our own boss. And since we've done that, that cuts us off from this love of God. But he is working to get our attention and try to draw us back into a relationship with him. And when we get in touch with it then, and we develop a relationship and we turn around from going our own way to go God's way, we experience this love. And out of gratitude for his kindness and goodness to us, we want to please him. We want to honor dad. We, we want to please our daddy who loves us so tenderly. And we please him through imitation. That's what we get in this passage. You know, children who have a good relationship with their parents, they want to do what they do. That's why the toy industry has toy laptops and so on. You can go to Toys R Us, get a toy kitchen. You know, you can uh, you can you can find all kinds of toys that allow their kids to imitate their dad. So you see little kids on a cell phone, you know, saying things like their their parents. And depending on what they're into, if they're into laptops, they they like the toy because they want to imitate their mom or dad. That's how it is. If there's a good relationship, they want to be like that. That's really one of the keys to parenting. Keep that heart tie. And that's, that's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to get in touch with his heart for us so that we're motivated to imitate him. As, as you're in a family and you live in that family, over time you begin to take on the characteristics of your parents. Uh, last week... A friend of my son, Thad, was here. She served with him in Central Asia last summer on a missions trip. And she said afterwards, we got to go to lunch, and she said afterwards that, uh, she said, I uh, actually feel like I know you already. Because when you talked and when you did your little mannerisms, it made me self-conscious. <laughs> when you did your mannerisms, I thought, that's fat up there. I already know that guy. You know? <laughs> same, way, same way of talking, same way of walking, and all that kind of stuff. I thought, poor Thad. Actually, she texted, she texted Thad, said, Randy equals Thad. <laughs> to which I would say, Thad equals Randy, but that's, that's beside the point. You get, you get my message here. We've been in the same family, we've spent a lot of time together, and over time he's taken on my mannerisms and way of speaking and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's what happens as you follow God. This is where you can expect God to take you. He is going to help you, he wants to help you, if you'll cooperate with him, you'll become more and more like him over time. That's, that's what he wants. If you commit to Christ, this is where he's going to lead you. Uh, you can quench his direction. You can quench his work in your life. We also looked at that last week, how we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It puts a kink in the resources that God provides to live like him. But he wants to lead you and I to be like him. The word in the verse one there for imitate is mimites. You can see the, the word mime in it. A mime imitates life. A mimites is one who imitates someone else. And so that's, that's what God wants us to do with our days as we live our lives. We're to use his character and the way that he relates to us as a template for the way that we live life. I was reviewing a verse yesterday, Leviticus 11.45. 
For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I'm your God. So you're to figure out what it means to live in a way that's holy in, in handling your life and situations that you deal with. Another verse, 1 John 3, 7, talks about how God is righteous, so we need to be righteous. You know, if you're struggling in your business, you're, you're having a hard time, learn how to trace God's righteousness into your business, into the way that you treat people, the way that you handle things. Boy, that, that makes a big difference. This is what we're called to do. This is a, the core part of what life is all about for us. Ephesians 4.32, we looked at that last week. It says, be kind uh, and tender-hearted toward one another, forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven us. So forgiveness flows out of this relationship with God. We, we use kindness and love as a template, and we trace that forgiveness into the lives of, uh, of our friends and family, our relationships with them. So we're forgiving toward our husband and wife, toward our kids toward our friends and boss, bosses and co-workers and teammates and classmates and roommates. We, God is our template. We're copying him. And as we do that, he, he brings, he gets honor to, and he is glorified. God's love is the pattern that we trace into things. If you're having trouble in your marriage, you're having trouble with your kids, frankly, if you're having trouble in any relationship, Trace God's love into it. That's what we're to do. We're going to look at what his love is all about in a second. But like a template, I, I need a template. If I'm going to draw anything that looks like what I'm trying to make it look like on a page, I'm looking forward to the art exhibit because I appreciate the gifts of artists because I have none. Um, but anyway, I, I really need a template. I was really into drafting for a while because... Maybe it's just because I'm not an artist and I could actually make that look like what I was trying to do. But you take the template and you trace the picture, flowers or whatever it is, you trace the lines in there, and the picture is transferred onto the paper. And that's what happens when we trace God's love into our relationships. The portrait of God's love, the picture of God's love, is traced into our relationships. It begins to show up there, and it makes a it makes a Real difference. So Ephesians 5 2 says, Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This is the core of life. This is a fundamental issue in every situation that we deal with in life. Every relationship, every situation. How do I trace the love of God into it? How do I do that? His kind of love is agape love in the New Testament. There's a definition on your handout. It means to intentionally do what's best for another because it is right, not because I feel like it. It's not based on emotion. I, I frankly rarely feel like being uh, loving. To, well, sometimes I do. Okay, let me. That's maybe an extreme statement. I retract it. I don't even know what my batting average is. I'm sitting here trying to figure out what percentage of the time do I feel like loving the people around me. It doesn't matter, does it? 
What matters is that it's not always an emotional thing. It doesn't always flow out of this ooey-gooey feeling I have for the people around me. Agape love chooses to intentionally do what's right by the other person because it's right. That's what it means. It's based on principles, not emotions. You may or may not feel like it, but you do what's right. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love. It's what we find in Scripture. Romans 5, 6 and 8, or 6 through 8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's one of the lessons from this verse. Just when your family, friends, people around you are being ungodly, now is the time to love them. If you're going to be like God, if you're going to imitate the Father, now love. Show kindness, be tender-hearted, forgiving toward them. Jesus died for us even though we are sinners. This gives us a tremendous amount of worth and value. We take that, so in, in, in our day, you read that passage and, oh, the Bible says we're all, we've all sinned. We're all sinners. That's insulting. And we're worried that it's going to affect our self-esteem. But in reality, our value flows out of this love that God has for us, even while we were sinners, even though we were ungodly. It's right for us to do what pleases him. He made us, but we haven't. By nature, we go our own way. We do our own thing. But God loves us anyway. He took all the initiative to make things right. He took all the initiative to pay for our sin, and it was shaped not by our godliness, not by our worthiness, but it flowed out of who he is and his love for you and I. To love like God loved, we do the same thing. It's not motivated by the loveliness of the people around us. The other really great thing about God's love is this means since he took the initiative while we're still sinners, You cannot dissuade his love. It's unfailing. You can count on it. It will always be there. Since he took the initiative, whether or not we were honoring him and doing what was right before him, we can count on his faithfulness to love us. And then there's a large backdrop to our lives. Ephesians 2 is a passage that you find before the ones we've been looking at. But this is the big background. This is the huge backstory to our lives. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and sealed us and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We're writing this as we trace God's love into our relationships. We're writing an original story. And God himself and and an entire eternal audience is watching as our lives are played out. And 
one of the purposes that God has for, for rescuing us and restoring our relationship to him is he wants to get the glory as we live a life of love with those around us because it shows the incomparable riches of his grace. There is a well to draw from as we go to trace the love of God into our relationships. The riches of his grace. We have this treasure that he's given us, this relationship with him, his spirit lives in us, and the power we need to go ahead and change. This love is a key part of the saga that we live in front of this this eternal audience. God, the angels, the demons, they're all watching. And we live this before him. In a word, we can see, shifting gears, we, we can see what it means to practically love with agape love when we look at Jesus' life. Jesus shows us the pattern, and it's sacrifice. 1 John 3, 16, 17 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. We imitate him. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother is in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? So this is, we love by sacrificing. It costs us something to love the way God loved us. You lay down your life by choosing to be inconvenienced and discomforted. You sacrifice to meet the other's needs. And that's how it goes. I mean, if you really want to love your friends at just the time when it's the most inconvenient, you've been looking forward to this TV show. And right when it, you know, they need to talk. They call you on the phone. They need to talk right when it's showing up. Or they need some help. You gotta, you've gotta go help them change a flat tire. Or whatever it is. But at, at just the time when you're wanting to do something for yourself, then the need shows up. And if you're gonna imitate God, you, you set your own comfort and convenience aside and you serve. You sacrifice. You know, it's easy to hold back because we're afraid that if we give ourselves away, there's not gonna be anything left for us. One guy calls this a scarcity mentality. The mentality. So you live serving, you know, you want to save up all the energy. You're afraid if you serve and you work too hard, there's not going to be any energy left for you to do what you want to do. So you hold it back. But Jesus said, if you lose your life, you find it. And so that's what it means to love. As these opportunities come up to show kindness. Whether it's pulling out your wallet and giving some money, you have the money, you could help. But you know, it's gonna, your cushion is gonna be a little less than it was. You go ahead and give, you love. You show kindness by helping the person out. That's what it means to love the way God has loved us. The truth is, you lose your life and you find it. And as you get into scripture, you, you learn that the commandments of God are not burdensome. And when he gives commands, if, we've cho- if you've chosen to follow him, you're commanded to love others with this kind of love. And as you do that, life comes alive. You find meaning in this as you give your life away. God brings good to those who set out to please him. And the other thing God's going to do is he's going to keep enlarging your perspective and your heart. 
when when you come to Christ, or many of us maybe even hung on to this little box, but we have our life in a, in a little box. Like it may include the things that are very important to us, our family, our work, whatever it is, but we have a little box. And what we do is we get into the scripture, we listen to a message, and everything we learn, we put in the little box. Oh, I need to live a life filled with love, so I need to love my family. I need I put that in the box. So everything I learn, I'm beginning to interpret by my little box. Well, you know what God's going to do? He's going to keep enlarging the box and your heart along with it. He's going to break the sides down. And he's going to give you a bigger box. Over time, he wants your heart to grow to include more and more people. So that as you live a life of love, you're not thinking, okay, this will be great for my kids. I'm going to live a life of love for them. Or And that that's important. You don't skip over them. You want to live a life of love with them. But not only them needs to extend to my friends, my neighbors, strangers, enemies. I, I need to love everyone that God brings into my life. And not only that, I need to take the initiative to get out of my comfort zone to step into the world of other people so that they can come to know Christ as well. God is going to keep busting down the box and giving you a bigger box. He's going to expand it. Because he wants us to live a life of love. And that's how life takes on meaning. When you realize that you're living for a purpose that is so much bigger than yourself. It's way bigger than our little box that we start out with. That we develop. He keeps breaking it down and giving us a bigger one. So we aim to please the one who made us. You know that's right? Something that's made should do what its maker wants it to do, but we haven't done that. We decided not to. We decided to go our own way. God gave, gave us the freedom to choose that. He gave us the freedom to write our own story. But we turn around and go his way and, and set out to please him when we commit our life to Christ, when we come into a right relationship with him. We aim to please the one who made us, that's right, our father or daddy, and the one who paid a high price. Those are the two motivators for living a life of love. First of all, we are God's children whom he dearly loves. And secondly, he has paid a high price in the death of his son so that we could have a relationship with him. And out of his father's heart for you and I, he's made that possible. And he wants to lead us to a life of meaning and purpose and value as we come to know him and walk with him. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the direction it gives, the help it gives. And I I am so grateful for the love that you poured into my heart, the, the love that you poured into all of us who know you and have turned to you, God. You, you want us to be filled with your love so it can spill over. Into-